The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by the members of the Soul Business Academy, helping professional changemakers design a business that ignites the human soul. Check out our unique frameworks to help you grow your business with a powerful combination of soul, energetics, and proven business strategies and tools. Now is the time to reimagine business and leadership for the new era. Your soul is calling. Find out how you can uplevel your business at sacredchangemakers.com and make a meaningful impact in our world. Our guest on the podcast this week is David Hensel, CEO of UpCoach and a veteran entrepreneur who has been building in the SaaS and the e-com space for over 20 years now. He's had multiple successful exits, including Max CDN. And aside from UpCoach, which just happens to be my favorite coaching platform, he has a small portfolio of companies, including LTV Plus, which is a company for outsourcing for e-commerce and SaaS. He's got Task Drive, which is all about sales development. He's got Shortlist.io, which is a digital marketing agency. And he's also got his passion project, Managing Happiness, which is peak performance group coaching for entrepreneurs. Now, as you will hear, we're going to be talking about also his latest idea of bringing love, not fear to the marketplace to empower us all to remember what matters most. David's passion that kind of runs through all of his enterprises is this intention that he has, and it feels like a soul intention to me, to help individuals and their organizations reach their full potential. And this is something that David lives. It's not just something he speaks. He absolutely walks his talk to. Now, I've met a lot of leaders in my time, but not many who are conscious, humble, and as mindful as David. Our conversation today dives deeply into the heart of what matters most to him, and that is making real transformation come alive for the people who are in his world, from his employees to friends and family, to making an impact and helping others to just be the best they can be. And he's got a unique perspective on business and success, and to me feels like a great embodiment of what effective leadership looks like. He has this quiet presence and it's kind of intriguing and it pulls you in. And there were times in the conversation where I could literally feel his words, his, his embodied presence, if you like, just kind of emanating through his words. And our conversation today is very apt. It is love, not fear, as a core value for business. And you'll hear why it's so important for us all to embrace this mantra. I think you're going to learn a lot from David. So without further ado, let's shift to the conversation. Hey, David, really excited to welcome you to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Thank you for having me, Jane. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. Now, our listeners will have just heard your professional bio, and I'd love to kind of get a sense of the real life human behind the bio. So can we start there? Who is he? Yeah, sure. Um, so I can just yeah, give you an about me in, in a few, <laughs> few minutes. Uh, my name is David Hensel. I'm an entrepreneur. I have a portfolio of businesses. I've been in the tech world for, for quite some time, had a successful exit originally from Germany, 
had a few businesses there and always want to move to the US because I saw the startup scene there and I've kind of felt like in Germany, especially where I live, there was like nothing going on. So in 09, I moved over to Los Angeles, co-founded a business there called MaxCDN, which was a content delivery network, which we had a very successful exit. And um, then I, my wife wanted to move back to Germany. I could not go back to German weather conditions after being in LA for such a long time. So we ended up moving to the south of Turkey and in terms of context for your podcast, in terms of change making and having impact, um, I had a, a wake up moment when my wife went through breast cancer. This was like when we were still in LA, knock on wood, she's doing great today. But this really was a shocking experience for me. And I kind of had like an early midlife crisis, I guess. I, I imagined myself laying on my deathbed, looking back at my life, thinking, did I really do what I was supposed to do? Did it have the impact I want to have? And this really got me thinking, and I um, decided I want to get out of this current business because I, you know, it was fun, it was profitable, um, really group, good group people. But I didn't see that, you know, I want to have more positive impact. And then I went on a journey to find more, more impact, and what does this mean? And um, went through a, a bunch of things, uh, and you know, thought experiments on what I can do. And the closest thing was. My wife and I figured out that if you apply business principles to family life, that this has a really positive impact um, on, on the relationship. And so I created a course called Managing Happiness in this, you know, helping especially entrepreneurs to figure this out. Um, and this became, it worked well, but there are two things that were really bothering me. One was I'm not a family therapist. I'm a business guy. So kind of like getting lots of like family coach-related questions uh, was not really my cup of tea. And also another thing that really bugged me was I only had a 7% completion rate on my on my online course. And looking back now, I know it's actually an okay completion rate, but for me, it was like having impact and, you know, actually leading people to their, the transformation that they want. Uh, it really bugged me. It was not about money. I had, had a good exit. This was like more of about having impact. And um, so I thought, okay, I, Actually, I shelved it for a moment and, you know, parked it and thought, okay, what, what can I do? Kind of reinventing my, myself. And then I read this book called Conscious Capitalism, which completely blew my mind. Um, for those, a lot of you probably have read it. It's by John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods. And the idea is um, if you had the old way of doing business is you have to increase shareholders' value. That's the reason why business exists. But the conscious way is doing good by all stakeholders, meaning suppliers, customers, employee, the pl employees, the planet, stakeholders as well, but kind of everybody who's connected to the business, you do, you know, you take care of these people. And if you do this, then the business is the best vehicle to have a positive impact. And it's like, holy cow, I can go back to my muscle memory of building businesses and um, have a positive impact. You know, it's like, it was, was, was really perfect for me. So I started a... And an outsourcing business because I thought, okay, if I employ as many people as possible, I can provide, put food on the table and I can provide them a great work environment. And so I got passionate about the, the outsourcing space. And um, I started LTV Plus, we do live chat agents and support agents. And then I bought Task Drive, we do lead research and sales development reps and had a few more of, of these um, businesses, one backlink building, like a CEO space. So I have like this, this portfolio of companies now. And um, this was going great, but then I thought, okay, um, I'd like, I'm, I'm a habit nerd, you know, an organizational development nerd and personal development nerd. So I thought, okay, if I 
bring back the managing happiness principles from my previous course that I did with my wife and change it towards business and help people in my business to figure out their personal mission, vision, and core values and their habits. Because I think like your habits determine everything in your life. If you're rich, poor, fit, or fat, happy or unhappy, you know, it kind of, your habits really massively influence you. So I went back to this course and I wanted, I had all the leader leaders in my businesses take this course, but I didn't want to do the DIY thing again because the completion rates were were not where I want them to be. So I did cohort-based coaching, like group coaching. And this worked phenomenal, like 90 plus um, percent completion rate on the course. And um, this worked great, but it was like kind of cobbled together with Google Docs and uh, course software and email and WhatsApp. And it was just like really not a good user experience, a lot of overhead work for me. And so I thought, okay, we can do this better. And I asked the CTO of one of my other businesses to build me a group habit tracker because I love positive peer pressure, having people in the group. And um, so we started building this and this got better and better and better. And I didn't have the idea to turn this into a separate product, but then I shared this because um, I'm also not a coach by trade. I'm a business guy. So uh, I, um, I met Todd Herman at an entrepreneurial dinner a few years ago. And you know, I thought like, okay, I've built a coaching software. Let's ask like one of the best well-known coaches that I've met. And this was Todd in this case. And I sent him a video saying like, hey man, I built this coaching software. But I'm not a coach. What do you think? And he's like, this solves 80% of my the problems in my business. Can I invest and become a business partner? I'm like, sure, there's a role. <laughs> and, and so this is how UpCoach was born. And it was a very long answer, kind of like how I got to where, where I am today. Sorry for, for talking so much. But yeah, that's that's the full circle um, of what, what I'm doing today. You know, it's fascinating as I'm listening to you because I'm hearing how in many ways it's like your journey through business has just evolved as you've gone. It's almost like you're listening deeply to what wants to emerge and just allowing these things to kind of happen, which is quite unusual in some ways, I would suggest, you know, because a lot of us, we get a strategy in our heads. We think we know what we're doing and off we go in terms of what we're doing. So what is it? I mean, is there any anything like how would you describe the threads that kind of pull your business together in some way I mean I might call it you know what what would you describe as the soul of your of your businesses of your portfolio what lies there I mean the conscious capitalism ideas is is definitely part of it um and also my 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 personal core values are very much aligned with um my um my personal values and one of the core values also my personal mantra is making decisions out of love and not out of fear mm-hmm. and um let me actually tell you the story how how i got in, into that or you know how this became my mantra i'm a recovering introvert i used to be very shy um you know being i'm, I'm a nerd i'm I used to be a sy- linux system and network engineer and um i switched to the dark side of business marketing a few years ago um but so yeah, I was really shy and I moved to the US and I saw a friend of mine who was like crushing it with networking and I saw how much fun he had and how good it was for business. Like, okay, I want that, but how do I get there, right? So I did Toastmasters. It's like public speaking clubs. It's really cool for those of you who haven't checked it out. If you want to improve your public speaking, check out Toastmasters. I bet there's a club in here close to you. I did this twice a week and I did two networking events per week. 
like exposure therapy style. I just wow. <laughs> talked to everybody and their mom. You know, it was like really hard in the beginning, but you know, you kind of get over it with enough reps. And so I kind of lost the shyness, but the real switch was flipped in my head when my um, yoga teacher said, every decision in life you make out of love or out of fear. For those of you who are, see the video, I have the sticker on my <laughs> on my microphone. And behind me, there's like a few thousand of these stickers. And, uh, you know, so... Um, so this really, really changed me, really transformed me having this idea because this was something I always knew deep down inside, but now I had this mantra or decision framework in my mind that I could use. And I applied it to pretty much everything um, that I'm doing. So, and my barometer is like how I feel about something. If it feels good, I lean in. If it doesn't feel good, I take a step back and think like, Hey, why is it that way? Can I change my attitude towards this? Or is this the right thing? that I'm doing. And let me give you a few examples. For example, public speaking. I would have preferred to shoot myself in the face for speaking in front of a few thousand people or a few hundred people, even or even like 20 people. <laughs> um, because I always was full of fear and thinking like, oh, do they think I have a weird German accent? Do they think I look weird? Do they think what I'm saying is stupid? And then I can't perform for the life of me. I can't give a good presentation. But if I do that of love, if I, you know, in, in a state of love, knowing that what I'm sharing here can help these people in their life and their business, then I can give a good presentation. Same with being on a podcast. I would have never been on, on, on the podcast before um, because of, yeah, too introverted. When sales, I used to hate sales with a passion. I always felt, felt like a used car salesman. You know, best case was like consultative sales, like, hey, look, this is what we're doing, blah. But now that I have this, this mantra, if I sell out of love, you know, I say like, hey, um, Jane, like, for example, up coach, I think is like something amazing for you. And I'd really be really pushy. Like, hey, it's really going to transform your business. Like, freaking check it out. And you'll feel where I'm coming from, you know, because I really have your best interest at heart. I'm not doing this to pay my mortgage or to pay whatever. Like, to it's 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 about you and not about me. So I make, make it about the other person, not about myself. Mm-hmm. Or even like in relationship with my wife. My wife always wants wanted me to do stuff around the house. Like, hey whatever, hang up this picture or build this piece of furniture or whatever. And I hate these things. Like it's, I prefer to do my taxes over this. It's really like the, <laughs> the least favorite activity I, I, I can do. And I always did it out of fear because I didn't want to have conflict with her. And when I do it out of fear, the work, the result is bad, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I hate the process. And then I have a fight with her afterwards anyway, because it's not up to her spec, you know? <laughs> so like nobody was winning. But now being aware of the love, not fear thing, I still start kind of out of fear, but then I switch to love to make our place nice and to make my wife happy. Mm-hmm. Um, one more example that I'm shutting up. Uh, my assistant at MaxDN a few years ago, uh, we grew very rapidly and we had internal communication issues. So I told her like, hey, please go to each department head and figure out what they, what they did last week, what they got done and what they're doing this week. And then send out a newsletter on Monday at, Mondays at 4 p.m. So everybody's in the loop. And every time she gave me the draft, I had to correct a million things. It was never good. So I took, I asked her to come to my office and said like, hey, you're doing this out of fear and not love. And he's like, what the heck do you mean by this? And I explained that if you do this out of love, you'd really figure out what everybody, each department has to say. Also what our CTO has to say, because she was not super technical, but you know, you'd really figure out what he did and what he's planning to do. And you'd put this into a newsletter in a way that everybody gets the most benefit out of it and Ideally, even enjoys and look, looks forward to consuming this. You know? And uh, then you do it out of love. If you do it out of, you're currently doing it only because David said this thing has to go out at 4 p.m. on Mondays, right? This is your only motivation. And this really clicked with her and never had to correct anything. 
And at the end, we actually end up with a really cool produced video newsletter where she kind of, you know, went around filming people and stuff. So yeah, it's it has been absolutely life-changing to just focus on this for me personally and also for my business. Yeah, and we're, we're talking about it here in the context of life and business. But, you know, when I look out at the world today, you know, I know love, not fear sounds a little bit like a bumper sticker, but it is incredibly profound what you're talking about here in a very simple way. And I, lo- I love how this really kind of gives people like your assistant permission to kind of work out for herself what it means for her to come from love, to come from that compassionate place, from that caring space. And then what emerges when she's being love and not fear, because fear, of course, is a contracted space. So when I look out at the world today, David, you know, in a very simplistic way, I know we have very complex problems out in societies globally that we're, we're looking at, you know, transforming or dealing with in different ways. But I almost think it could be as simple as this. You know, if we could help individuals come from love, not fear, surely that could change the world, <laughs> couldn't it? That's, that's my hope. You know, I, I, so if you want to go to find out more about this, you can go to lovenotfear.org. Um, I'm, I'm working on creating like, we have the stickers and we're, I want to create like a, a fashion line of clothes that people can wear. So basically everybody's constantly in a state of remembering this mm. mantra. Cause I think, as you said, I think if people figure this out, you will be on the right track and the world will be a better place. For those of you, my favorite author is Napoleon Hill mm. and he released a book. I mean, he lived in the early twenties, um, 1920s, uh, and uh, he wrote a book that was published 10 years ago because he was too scared to put it out there. It's called Outwitting the Devil. Um, he's very well known for thinking we're rich, but if you haven't read Outwitting the Devil, do yourself a favor. It's probably like the book that had the biggest impact in my life. Mm. Um, yeah, and great. it's all about love and fear. Yeah. Is it really? We'll put that all into the show notes for everyone so that they can just download the links because that's, that's great. He, he, in, he interviews the devil, asking the devil, what does the devil do to make us not reach our goals? And um, the the biggest tool that the devil has is fear. Right. right? And and another crazy thing, uh, I had a very broad exposure to different religions. My father and two friends brought Shambhala, which is a Buddhist religion. They brought it to Europe. And I lived in this Buddhist ashram temple thingy for the first six years of my life. So I got, you know, through my father, I got the exposure to, to Buddhism. My mother was Roman Catholic. I was an altar boy. So kind of exposed to this. And then I turned like 15, 16 and started smoking a lot of weed and didn't care about uh, any, any, any religion. And then I met my wife who's Turkish and I converted to Islam and I lived Islam for seven years straight, like the whole shebang, like praying five times a day, et cetera. Then I moved to LA and I became more, more spiritual hippie yoga thing. And Looking at all these religions, I think like also the core essence, if you really boil it down, is all they want to say is make decisions of love and of you. You know, mm-hmm. so it's so it's kind of like simplified. Simplicity is the highest form of sophistication. I think Einstein or Michelangelo said this. Um, so yeah, I think it hopefully can have a really big impact in, in mm-hmm. people's life. So it's my and my, like. 
like you've described it, it feels like the thread, the soul that runs through everything that you do. And one of the things you mentioned on your Managing Happiness program was helping individuals find their personal vision and mission. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to ask you what it is for like your individual businesses, but when you look at your life, it feels very much as you're talking, David, that you're in service of something. And I wonder how you might describe what that something is. I mean, I think in general, like we, if you want to be happy, you will be of service to people, to nature, to adults, whatever. Kind of being of service is, I guess, what makes us happy. If we can empower and help other beings, you, you'll be happy. Uh, they made this, this test, I think it was a TED Talk, um, where they made this experiment. They gave lots of students $20 and 50% should buy something for themselves and 50% should buy something for somebody else. And then they checked like how happy they were afterwards. And the ones who bought something for somebody else were like way happier than the ones who bought something for <laughs> themselves, you know? So I think just like kind of being of service to others or being of service to love, you know, and spreading, sp spreading this, this mantra, I guess, like, this is my, um, mm. yeah, I guess that's, that's my main thing. And in terms of um, with the managing happiness course, I help people to define their vision, mission and values and goals for, the three roles that everybody has in their life or there's more but like the three main ones is like for the role for yourself mind body and spirit how you going to live up to this and then you as the professional and you as the family tribe or community person like how do you want to show up in these mm. three areas and my professional vision is to be a change agent who's transforming the lives of individuals and organizations so they can reach their full potential i just found that this makes me the happiest when i can help people to thrive basically and um yeah i guess it's really cool. interesting because when i look at in the world today i can't think of something we need more than helping people to thrive and reach their full potential particularly here in in the us not necessarily on the coast the east and west coast but there's certainly you know a lot of disruption and division that is being portrayed through the media right now. I don't know if we are as divided as the media is trying to portray, but this idea of love in business is not something that is like an everyday occurrence, um, particularly in co large corporate organizations. So I just wonder when you communicate this to employees, when you kind of bring this into your working life, how do people respond? For some of them that have like had corporate experience or bad experiences for them, it like takes some time to get used to this, you know? So uh, I had one guy saying like, you know, usually I was always like the, the boss, even though I really dislike this word, was kind of like almost the enemy and you kind of like protect yourself from, from this person, you know? And it's, it's, it's like a very different, different thing. I see myself like as a janitor who's just like empowering people to just remove roadblocks for them to, to help them to thrive, you know? So it's, it's definitely, it takes a while and people really understand that you have their best interest at heart. But once they understand, they have like this security and then they'll just, um, you know, they, they really blossom. We also have, I think good culture is like trust. If people really trust that you have your best, people's best interest at heart. Um, it, we, we have an error lock. So I have a personal error lock whenever I, something doesn't work the way I want to work. I write it down and then I contemplate what can I change to make sure this doesn't happen again? Or how did they get out of this, like whatever negative state or whatever. 
And um, we say, do the same thing in our businesses. So we have this error log whenever something goes wrong, customer complaint, whatever happens, we put this into the error log and then we contemplate what can we make, what can we do, which SOP stand operating procedure can we change to make sure this never happens again. And so we constantly talk about this. So it's not, nobody gets in trouble for messing up. You know, it's like a very safe environment. The only time when I murder you is if you're not putting it into the error log, you know, because like that's like, I feel really betrayed, you know, because like you don't get in trouble, just freaking tell me so we can make it better next time, right? So that's that's kind of like the deal with, with everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. and yeah, I think that's... It's really interesting because as you're talking about the way that you lead in your organizations, I'm kind of making some assumptions about your childhood and this this breadth of spirituality that you've had, because there seems to be almost a contemplative drive within your leadership. You sound like you're really contemplating. You're not just reacting. You're not just firefighting. You're actually putting things, as you say, into an airlock. And then, you know, having real thoughtful, mindful consideration about what the team and you and whoever the SOPs can change to make that a difference. That's not something I've worked in a lot of organizations across the world. That's not something I've seen very often, David. So how, how did you come up with that? I mean, it feels different. It feels innovative. And it feels incredibly conscious when you speak in that way. <laughs> I guess I'm a very reflective person. I always like to like reflect on, you know, what I really want, what drives me, what. So I guess like this, this kind of probably led to this. I'm also an organizational development nerd. I like to right. understand people and systems and also I have a condition called aphantasia. Um, do, you, do you know what aphantasia is? No. So I cannot create images in my mind. So when I close my eyes and I think of an apple, I can't see the apple. It's always black. Or I think of my daughter's face, I can't see anything. It's always black. So I can't re or produce conjure up images. I also cannot reproduce sounds, tastes, smells, or emotions. So I'm mm. basically, I have emotions in the moment, but like once it's passed, it's just like almost like text file. This happened, you know, was good or was bad, like from a scale of one to 10. So, um, and I guess because of this, I really think in systems. Yeah. And so I think this is why it kind of comes natural to me to always kind of reflect on things. And I'm not bogged down by the emotional things that, that hold, hold people back or that occupy people's minds. You know, so I guess this is why I'm, I'm, it's very easy for me to rationally, logically reflect on things and think about like, what can we make sure? How, what can we do to make sure it doesn't happen again? Mm. And I, I love this. Actually, uh, I went through... A very tough time a few years ago my business was going phenomenal um so i was very busy and then my daughter was born which was amazing but also like very for those of you who have kids you know it's, it's kind of tough <laughs> having like this little thing who wakes up like all the time and kind of throws up your throws off your routine and two weeks after my daughter was born, my mother passed away and it was suck because she was like really an amazing person and then my wife had very severe abdominal pains and had to have like was on a ton of painkillers and nothing helped. And she had to have two surgeries to get this fixed. Nobody knew what it really was, but the second one fixed it. And then after this, my grandma passed away. So it was like really this storm of mm, craziness intense. happening. Mm. And one of my employees came to me and said like, hey man, how can you run around with a smile on your face being productive with so much stuff going on in your life? Like what's your secret? And I was like, I have no idea. Uh, and he's like, please think about it. I'd like to know. And 
I came up with two things. One is um, I'm really good at accepting things as they are. You know, the surrender period, accept things I cannot change. I have to surrender to accept things I cannot change. The power to change things I can change and the wisdom to know which one's which. Yeah. So I guess I get really good at, at, at this one. Um, this kind of stops the mental chatter. It's like, you know, same with my, when my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was like, okay, this really freaking sucks. But, and, and then I had this unpleasant feeling in my stomach, but then I immediately went to logic. Okay, this sucks, but what can we do to improve? You know, kind of always being in this, I guess, reflective or solution-oriented mindset, not being in the victim position. Mm. Yeah. So, and the second thing is gratitude. I have this gratitude exercise. So every morning I pick up this, this gratitude rock. Um, so every morning I pick up this rock and I go through the things I'm grateful for, you know, and this, there's always so much beauty in our lives that we tend to forget by just focusing on, we naturally always focus on the bad things. This kind of evolutionary helped us to survive, but now it's not really needed anymore that much. So um, by doing this, I realize how much beauty I actually have. And this gives me the power to plow through things that the, the obstacles that life or business throws at you. And throughout the day, I have the stone in my pocket and sometimes I get stressed and I feel the stone this brings me back to, you know what, actually that's not a big deal. And six months from now, we will not even think about this. And this gives me the energy to just like get through it and be solution and to then figure things out. At the end of the day, when I take it out, then I go through the things that went great this day. So, you know, sometimes you have a really productive morning and then at 5 p.m. you have an unpleasant conversation with your spouse or business partner, lose a customer, whatever it is, and you think, oh my God, everything sucks. But it does not. There's still so much awesome stuff. And so, yeah, I guess this graduate muscle has been built up quite a bit. So this is what's helped me to go through tough times. As I listen to you, I hear the simplicity in, in what the practice is that you're bringing to your life. like, And almost the structures that kind of create and craft in intentional ways the experience that you want to be having. So I wonder if you'll just journey out with me like to a 10,000 foot kind of space for a moment because uh, you have a daughter. And mm -hmm. I wonder when you look out in the world today, I mean, what's the meaning you're making of the times that we're going through right now? Because globally, there's a lot of disruption, you know, and, and a lot of our audience are taking stand for changes that they want for a better world in a way. I wonder what bubbles up for you when you kind of take a step back and look at the world and think, you know, what is the meaning you're making of these times we're all living through right now? So I have a few thoughts on this and they're like maybe extreme to some extent. Um, so first of all, I do not consume any news. I do not okay. watch any news. I think it's like Information is like food. You should not take too much in, in, into you. You should only take <laughs> organic and wholesome and good stuff into you, like right. no crap. And I always want to only I only focus on things that can impact. I do not care at all about things I can't impact because then you're in the victim mode, right? And like, oh my right. God, everything's so horrible. You know, no, I just like focus on what I can impact. I used to really dig, go down the rabbit hole, figure out like why things why are things the way they are in the world and who's pulling the strings and blah, but it, you know, I can't impact it. So I don't care, you know, and I only, I choose a few things where I want to be impactful. For example, like with the love, not fear. I want that everybody understands this. I pick my battles, right? You only have like this much gunpowder, 
which means like resources, time, energy, whatever. And if I put a little bit here and there, it just makes like when the light up, I want to like go to one place and make like make more happen, you know? So I guess um, I don't, you know, I don't care too much what's going on in the world. I care about the stuff I can impact, you know, as, as ignorant as the sounds, but if I want to have impact in certain areas, I pick my battles, you know, I can't fight everywhere. So I just want to focus on the stuff I can impact and I can impact stuff by growing my businesses. I can have a positive impact on my employees. I can show them how, you know, have good culture, good environment, make them understand the core values. And then hopefully this rubs off, you know, like love, not fear. It's like one of our core values and I'm big on core values. So everybody in my employees hears this like all the freaking time. So they have like internalized this. So I guess that's my way of, of having impact, you know, and mm. it's going to sound horrible. It's starving children in Africa. It's, it's, it's bad. It's horrible. Like a lot of things are horrible, but I choose to focus on these things and um, yeah, I, I pick my belts, you know, and then once I'm done with one task, I can I pick another one, you know, I, I, I keep going, but yeah, I guess that's my take on this. And why, why business is your vehicle for transformation? Because you could have gone into a nonprofit, I guess. So why business? It's, it's another un- unpopular opinion. Please don't, <laughs> please don't hate me. Please share it. <laughs> I, I personally, I'm not a big fan of nonprofits. You okay. know? So I, nonprofits to me feel like cars without an engine that somebody else has to push. You know, and so much, <laughs> I, I like for purpose businesses, you know, like a business right. like that in itself does good stuff, you know, kind of like Tom shoes example, even though I guess they produce too many shoes, like causing different issues, but you know, a business that does something good. And as a side effect, they, you know, they, they make money while, while doing this, you know, kind of having its, its own engine. Mm. I think this is like, for me, a more desirable state, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And also like with, with big nonprofit organizations, like lots of overhead and blah, and like, I like to be more nimble. I'm a bootstrap guy. So yeah, multiple reasons, but I'm, yeah. And also I like to, I guess, be more in control and, and impact stuff. For example, in, you know, we have a lot of people in the Philippines, whenever some natural disaster happens there, we do like, we donate money. We have our people volunteer and help people and blah. So, you know, wherever we can impact, we impact, but we just, I guess we, uh, I guess to, I'm not a control freak, but in this regard, I'm a little bit of a control freak. Yeah. I love the way you've explained that because I'm actually on board with you. And one of the things that I, I I actually am beginning to believe is that the kind of business that you're describing, business that is transformational, that does make a difference, that is this force for good in the world, actually is the future of business. What would you say so. to that? <laughs> you hope so. Well, well, I hope so. I mean, and John Mackey, who, uh, in the Conscious Capitalism book, he makes a point that he analyzed businesses who are conscious, who are living like, you know, I guess like B Corps, et cetera, um, versus businesses who have increasing shareholders value in their mission statement. Mm. And he sees that over time, these businesses that are conscious make actually more money and are around longer. Because like, if you're just like thinking about shareholders value, you make like, you cut corners, for example. Yeah. Um, you only have to like live from quarter to quarter and you have to show good returns all the time. So you may hire all the senior employees because then you can hire juniors and you're going to save so much money and you're going to look like a rock star for two, two quarters, but then the customer unhappiness because of these people are not trained enough will go down and then you, you lose in the end. You know? So I guess like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think like playing the long game and doing right 
by people. Also, I think also people will wake up or people are waking up and realize that the only way how they can actually vote is with their wallet, like who yeah. they give their money to. Because yeah, I don't want to get into all that stuff like that, you know. <laughs> but I think the only power that we have is to vote with a wallet and to only buy the products that we believe are doing good. You know, kind of like when everybody switched to Lyft because Uber was treating employees bad. This is like the power that we have, like to only buy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm vegan. I like to yeah, buy organic and vegan and black kind of voting with my wallet there. Um, when I go to, uh, when I'm, I travel a lot, so I always go to season, like I go to vegan restaurants to just not, not because I could eat somewhere else, but I want to support them because voting with my wallet, you know, kind of like mm. supporting what I think is good with the resources that I, I have. Mm. And I think that's a very important point. Um, and and a lot of thing, a lot of conversations we have in in the sacred change makers community is around the fact that you know business is probably the biggest lever for change and transformation that we have, just because of what you're describing that we vote with our wallets, and when we get intentional about where and how and with whom we're spending our cash, then we realize that the, our wallet really is power, and it can be transformational. In, in the way that we spend. So, you know, it's almost like, I don't think I, from what you said, it sounds like you made that assumption very early on that business was the way that you could make perhaps the biggest impact, the biggest transformation in the yeah. work that you're doing. Um, and maybe you didn't go through the conscious process that some of us has gone through, but you still ended up at the same place, which is incredibly transformational in the work that you do. So what's next for you? David, where are you headed? <laughs> uh, I mean, like I have a bunch of goals, um, for example, with my uh, outsourcing businesses. We're currently like 500 plus people and I want to get to a thousand this year by the end of the year and then like, like 10 year goal, which start, like, I guess I can, seven years, I want to be at 10,000. So this is like one thing. I have like lots of different projects with, with UpCoach, um, I want to really grow UpCoach because I think it's, you know, me, if I can, it's like leverage for me because if I can empower coaches to have, to transform more people, to give them the tools that they can like impact more people, then I have to lever on this. You know, so I'm, this is, I'm, I'm very passionate about um, UpCoach and I'm very passionate about managing happiness because, you know, kind of helping people to figure out what they really want. And then how to get it with like dialing in their habits and goal setting and productivity uh, is, is another thing. Like if people really, one funny example, we do a vision board exercise in managing happiness and one participant put like this fancy supercar on this vision board. And four weeks later, after, you know, going through the course, he's like, I don't even know why I put this there. I don't even like cars, you know, kind of everybody... <laughs> <laughs> like people keeping up with the Joneses and kind of living the dream of the world and kind of what society tells you you should want you know but versus figuring out what do you actually really want what makes you happy what's you know not what makes your parents happy or whatever just like kind of really what makes you happy and then kind of going for this because I think this yeah will also have a big impact and then of course love not fear turning this into a one sentence religion that everybody lives by <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I really do. And just for any listeners out there, I have been with UpCoach since 
the beta version. I've, I've been in it for a long time. I've seen you grow. And it is, in my humble opinion, the only platform for coaches uh, out there. It's the only platform that really pulls everything together. If you're running online training and you have resources and you're doing coaching and you're holding people accountable, I mean, it really is an incredible uh, pro- uh like platform for you uh, because you can have everything all in one and I've now moved my entire business into UpCoach so I really do want to highly recommend it for everyone listening and we will put the the links in the show notes so that you can go through and then what you've said about the managing happiness as well that really kind of it sounds like like the UpCoach is the platform that people can use because if we can really help inspire coaches to bring better transformation to the world, then we are moving in the direction. And from everything that you're doing, I can clearly see this ripple effect, David, that's going out. Even though you don't necessarily speak about it, there really is a global reach to the businesses that you've chosen and created and what you're doing, which... I just love and I don't want our viewers, our listeners to lose sight of because I think that's that's really important. So I'm noticing the time and I just want to ask you one final question. If there's something you'd hoped we'd get to today, some some maybe some words of wisdom that you'd like to leave our audience with, what might it be? I mean, kind of going back to the obvious, I could talk about a bunch of other stuff, but making decisions of love and not fear in all areas of your life. If you really think about like acting out of love in your business, like how can you really provide the most value to your customers? And also like, who is this customer? Kind of really dialing down to finding your ICP, your ideal customer profile and really make it like the best possible product for them. Really understand what their pain points are and how can you give them this transformation? I guess this is like one thing to... You know, and also another thing, it's that kind of business positioning. It's for every entrepreneur, it's really hard to make this decision saying like, hey, I want to serve this niche and group of people. You feel like you're losing out on so much opportunity, but this is actually the only way how you can really build a product that's really targeted and has like really amazing impact. For example, I'm uh, if I have a heart problem, I don't want to go to a doctor. I want to go to a heart specialist that focuses on middle-aged males like whatever you know kind of being as specific as possible so Mm. i guess yeah and yeah i guess love and fears is definitely the the thing go to loveandfear.org there's a video that kind of goes a little more in detail Uh, and they're going to add a few more videos on like how to change your state and to go from fear to to love and maybe read napoleon hill's outputting the devil because yeah it's very transformational lovely and I mean, you haven't said this in so many words, but I'm reeling you here. I'm really hearing you talk about business from the inside out. <laughs> and that's some language that I, I use. And um, yeah, and it really does alignment. So thank you, David. Thank you so much for stopping by the podcast. I know our listeners will have learned so much from you. Um, and I've just loved everything that you've shared. So thank you so very much. Thank you very much. In case you want to connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn, David Hensel or also, David Hensel, come my site. And um, if I get a lot of LinkedIn requests, sometimes too many, but if you tell me that you heard me on Jane's podcast, um, I'll definitely connect with you. And if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. I'm happy to help. Thank you so much. 
Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. And thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. A big thank you to the members of our Soul Business Academy who are our podcast sponsors and our extended community who are helping us make a global impact aligned with United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that maybe you have a soul's calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.